Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. And uh, near the end of his life, they asked him, what is the most important theological truth that you ever learned in your life of study of Scripture? And uh, much to everyone's surprise, he said, the greatest truth I ever learned, I learned as a child, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Uh, Some of those profound things, like Logan reminded us of this morning, Uh, about that little light that shines. Uh, Those are, I think, perhaps some of the most important ones. And they anchor us, and they hold us. Um, Man, they center us all the days of our life. Well, hey, it's good to see you uh, this morning. I'm feeling a little bit better. Uh, My voice is coming back. That's a good thing and a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Uh huh. But uh, it is good to um, to be here this morning. Uh, we are finishing up this morning our series. Did Jesus really say that? Um, yes, he did, and it matters. And uh, as we begin this morning, I want to share an experience. I think that'll lead us into our passage this morning. Several years ago, Lori and I were um, vacationing in Belize, in southern Belize, in a fishing town called Placencia. It's beautiful. Now, many people don't know this, uh, but along um, the Yucatan Peninsula, going through the the Caribbean there, along Belize, and then into the Bay of Honduras, is the second largest barrier reef in the world, uh, second only to the Great Barrier Reef in Alaska. Oh, excuse me, Australia. <laughs> Thank you. Australia, an A word, okay? And just testing you. Um, and it, it's really interesting. It, it sets offshore about 25 miles or so. And in between the reef and the coastline, there are times when the water, the sea surface, It's flat like a pool. I have never in my life seen anything like it. In fact, I remember one morning we were out on a catamaran and we had spent the night and it was early in the morning and I woke up and and it was just still. And I climbed on deck and I looked out at the water and it was glass. Now imagine being 25 miles out to sea and the water's flat. So this gives you a little background here to what's going to happen. So we had arrived a couple days early for a planned uh, vacation. We were going to spend a week sailing along the barrier reef in a beautiful catamaran with like four other couples. I mean, it was like a vacation of a lifetime. And uh, we arrived a couple of days early to get our bearings. And one evening we were in a restaurant 
and we met another couple that was there, not for our trip, but just happened to be there. And we got to talking, and we found out that, like Lori and I, they were scuba divers. And uh, we asked them if they had gone scuba diving yet. They said no, that they had wanted to, but they didn't really know where to go. Well, our server overheard us and said, hey, see that guy over there? He's a, he's a dive instructor, and he does private charters. If you as a couple, you two couples want to hire him, I'm certain he'd take you out, and he's really good. He'll show you a great time of diving for the day. So we talked to this couple that we'd never met about going out with this dive instructor, dive master that we had never met, who was going to charter a small fishing skiff with a captain that we had never met in a country where we had never been to go 25 miles out to sea, scuba diving. Who says we're not in for adventure? And uh, yeah, you guessed it. It was a beautiful morning. We met in the harbor. We went out. Oh, we went along the reef and they had these these little caves or keys, these little islands. And, oh, I mean, they were just beautiful and they were deserted. And you just got on the island and you're by yourself. And you, 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 how oh, is this great? We did some great diving. And along the way, this dive instructor, he dived down and he'd come up with a, with hands full of lobsters. And we'd stop on one of these little islands. He said, I'm going to barbecue lobster for you. I mean, it was a day. It was beautiful. And the sea surface was flat. And we saw so many things underwater. I mean, it was a underwater, it was an aqua safari, right? I mean, just beautiful marine life. Yeah. It was a great day. Well, the afternoon came and it was time to head on back towards Placencia. You know, when the sea is flat and you look at a distance, it just looks like it's across the street. Uh, but it's 25 miles and a, probably like, I think it was like a little, maybe a, I don't know, it couldn't even have been a 10-foot aluminum fishing skiff. And it had a little outboard motor, but it had a sail too. And it was just enough for like the six people of us that were on the boat, really, and some equipment. And uh, things were good. But off of the distance, we saw this kind of this, this wall that was like really dark. I think my seagoing friends called a squall. And suddenly we noticed the disposition of the ocean began to change. And there just got a little bit of movement. And then the wind started to come up. And, and then the water kind of like got ruffled a little bit. And, but before long, all right, we were in the midst of a full-on squall about 20 miles out to sea and the water that had been flat like a pool uh, I mean it was white caps swells the wind was blowing the first thing that happened Lori had a little cap that she used to wear when we got out of the water when we, we used to dive together it flew off into the ocean and then the next thing that happened uh uh, she grabs a, a towel because the water now is coming over the side of the boat and it's slapping us in the face and it stings and the rain is going sideways. And Lori takes and wraps a towel around her face. She looks like the mummy, right, to try to protect herself. And then the sail 
right? It, it, it had been taken down, but it didn't matter. The, the, the cloth just ripped away and the sail broke. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, what am I doing in a place I'd never been, with a couple I'd never met, with a dive instructor I didn't know, and a captain who before this I'd never questioned his experience or competency because the seas were flat and it really didn't seem to matter. (laughs) And suddenly I found myself there uh, trying to act cool and calm and collected uh, but inside wondering like is this going to be on uh, CNN you know two American couples lost at sea something like that seriously I mean that's what goes through your mind and I have to tell you um, I do a pretty good job uh, of hiding it but I was afraid (laughs) I was afraid. It's one of the handful of times in my life where I actually thought I was probably going to die, but didn't want anybody to know. It's funny. A couple of all those times had to do with water also. Hmm. But anyway, um, you know, it reminds me a lot about life, doesn't it? There are times in which life is just like that, that ocean surface. It's just flat. And it's calm. And man, it just seems like you can go anywhere or do anything, and everything is going your way. But life can change like that, can it? We know that. I I know many of you here know that. Lori and I certainly have been reminded of that in this last year. And the time to become acquainted with your company, especially the ones that matter most, the one who is navigating your, your boat, the time to have confidence and assurance of of their skill and their ability to take you through the storm, uh, it isn't when the storm happens. That's kind of a little bit late to question. It's to have confidence before you even get in the boat. Because like the sea surface, the temperament of our world's can change in an instance. And there can be trouble and lots of it. And we need to know, have confidence and assurance. Who the captain of our boat is. That is precisely the background in our passage today. I thought of a lot of things that Jesus said, and I've shared some of them with you, and we've talked about them, we've looked into Scripture these past eight weeks, two months we've been in this series. 
But I thought, which saying of Jesus would be important? Which one would I want to leave us with, to leave you with? Um, I used to have a friend, his name was Bobby Mercado. He was a chaplain in the L.A. County Jail. He was instrument, instrumental in my early development in ministry, and, and I worked with him as a chaplain there for a time. And he used to say this, and uh, he used to say, Todd, he says, every time you deliver the word of God, you need to present it as if it's the last thing or time you're ever going to say it. It's like the last opportunity you have to share with people. That, that's how it needs to be. And I'll tell you, Bobby did that. I mean, he was, he was quite a communicator in prison. Um, and so I, I think about him often. I was thinking about him as I was preparing for this today. Um, what do I want to leave you with? You know, if this is the last opportunity I ever had to share with you, and we were looking at the sayings of Jesus, what would I want to leave you with? Well, <clears throat> John 16.33. John 16.33. Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Now, this verse is the very end of chapter 16. And as you read in John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, <clears throat> it's what's known as the farewell discourse. Jesus is giving kind of a, a last minute kind of cram session. He's reminding his disciples of of what he had taught them the previous three years. And, and he's highlighting things that are important for them to know and to remember. And of course, in John chapter 17, when you get to there, which immediately follows this, he, he gets into what's known as his high priestly prayer, in which basically he is, he is commissioning, he's consecrating, he is preparing himself, his disciples, and us, because he prays for us in that prayer. And all this takes place um, just before he's arrested and goes to the cross and dies. Right? Now, in chapter 16, um, Jesus specifically is zeroing in on what life is going to be like for his disciples. Um, he's telling them Listen, in a very short time, I'm going to be leaving you. And there's going to be trouble. Uh, in fact, he begins chapter 16, verse 1. All this I have told you so that you may not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the hour is coming when those who kill you will think they're offering service to God. Oh, really? So in other words, that's how he starts in chapter 16. He's saying, listen. 
things are going to get rough. The storm is coming. Now the good news is this, he says. Um, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and, and you're going to be fully equipped for everything you're going to face. And you're not going to have to navigate these storms on your own. In fact, I'm going to be with you. And uh, you can have confidence to know that because of me and the Spirit I'm sending you, your boat's not going to sink. And I'm going to leave you for a little while, but then I'm going to come back. And, and you're going to have lots of grief, but your grief is going to turn into joy. And he's, he's, he's really preparing them for his arrest, trial, crucifixion, but then his resurrection. I'll be gone here for a little while, but I'm coming back and your grief's going to turn into joy. And so he's preparing them. And in this farewell discourse and these words, they are his last words to them before the events that, that take place on Good Friday and the grief and the pain and the bewilderment and all the things that were going to happen. There's a storm coming, he's telling them. There's a storm coming. It's interesting. John is known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And you'll notice in all of John's writings, I mean, there is uh, in the gospel and in, in his epistle, love is a big theme. There was a closeness. They were tight. There was a bond there. Um, John was the only disciple whom when Jesus was arrested and went to the cross, he was the only one, incidentally, that, that didn't abandon him. He was near, right? Only one that didn't die a martyr's death, by the way, also. He suffered. He was persecuted, right? So there's a special relationship here that they have. And it's important. John's gospel and uh, his first letter, 1 John, it's really important to John that that those who receive this word can have faith and assurance and confidence beyond question in the face of situations and circumstances that would cause the average person to doubt. John wants to communicate to his reader, to us, That when Jesus is the captain of your ship, your ship will never sink. That you can have calm, as Max Lucado says, in the midst of the storm. Listen to this. I'm, I'm just going to turn a few pages. If you have your scripture, at the very end of John's gospel, in John 21, 24, and 25, I'm going to read this to you. He says, This is the disciple who testifies to these things 
and who wrote them down. We know his testimony is true. And in verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would have, would not have room for the books that would be written. Think about that. He says, listen, what I've told you here in my gospel, in this, in this letter, I mean, it's just a small amount. If I had time and space to tell you everything that Jesus did and taught, there would not be room in all the volumes and books in the world to write it down. This is just a little bit I want you to know. You can trust Him. His words are true. And then I I love this, okay? This is really good. Oh, man. You had to get me started this morning. 1 John. Let's go to 1 John. In the very beginning of his letter, he says this. 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, And our hands have touched this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it. And we testify to it. And we proclaim to you eternal life. Which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So that you, you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Okay. The time to be certain of who's navigating your life isn't when the storm comes. And if you're sailing on flat, peaceful seas, I can assure you the storm is coming. The time is before you get in the boat. And John wants you to know your captain, Jesus. You can trust him. It's interesting. That passage I shared at John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. In Matthew's gospel and in Mark's gospel, that expression is used when the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes up. And Jesus appears to them. And what does he say to them? He says, take courage. The word in in the original language, can be translated either way. But in the other two Gospels, it's, it's take courage. And it's associated with a storm. And here, I know as the disciples are, are gathered around, 
they're going to say, ah, oh, we've heard this before. And I bet you as they heard it, they said, uh-oh, <laughs> last time he said that? But last time he said that, he also, he also was able to navigate for us. The former president of Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, Donald Miller, says this, as long as a Christian is in the world, he will be pressed as though by a great mob. Do you have that quote, Tobin? There it is. Crushed in spirit as though through great crushing weights were lying on his chest. He will know spiritual anguish like that of a mother in labor. This Jesus told us. When he speaks, therefore, of peace, it is not the peace of unruffled days, but the inner confidence of the warrior who is weary, thirsty, outnumbered, wounded, but who fights bravely on, confident of the outcome, assured of victory. We are not saved from trouble. But we are saved in trouble. Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, the place of safety. In 2 Corinthians 4.8, Paul says this, We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. Why? Because he was confident of this very thing. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced. Are you convinced? Paul writes, I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels, nor principalities, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow! The author of Hebrews presents it this way. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The certainty is in God. I'm certain. I'm confident. Because of who He is. Because of his promises. Because of the witness and the testimony and the reliability that we see on the pages of Scripture and written on the hearts and lives of those who have been his followers. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now catch this. This is really interesting. In the beginning, God created... He spoke. He created with, by His Word that Tyler, Pastor Tyler mentioned. By His Word. By His Word. He spoke creation into existence. Out of nothing. 
right? And, and some commentators say that, that this verse here in, 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 in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and, and moving into the whole chapter, which is about faith. Faith for things that are yet in the distance. The other side of the squall. The safety of the shore. That the God who spoke existence by the power of His Word from nothing is the same God who speaks truth and fulfills the promises of His Word in your life even when the black wall cloud comes and the sea is restless and stormy. It's the God of creation who is the God over creation. And it's by the power of His Word that you and I can stand and know and have confidence so that now faith is being sure of what we hope for in the One in whom we hope and certain of what we do not see. Colossians reminds us Speaking of Jesus, all things were created by Him and for Him and in all things. Right? He holds them all together. And that includes your life and my life. And that's good news. Finally, Paul writes in Romans 4, 14, verses 7 through 8. For none of us lives to him or herself. And none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Take heart, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. If that, that captain looked over at Lori and I and the other couple of the diamond struck and said, hey, don't worry about it. I can do this, so can you. There wouldn't have been much hope for us. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus looks over and says, Because I've done this, I've done it for you. I've overcome the world, and you will too. Amen. There's a story about a young preacher. Remember those days, Lou, when you were a young preacher? Yeah, I do too. And he had graduated from seminary and was had the invitation to preach an evening service at a small church in the South back in the days of the Depression where some places in the South, like in this community, the church was just getting electricity. Okay? But it wasn't very reliable. And in this church, in this one-room church building, a light bulb hung and it would flicker with a surge of light. And he was preaching the Word that evening in the service. And suddenly, the light went out. 
He was young. He was inexperienced. He didn't know what to do. He couldn't read his manuscript. He was just... And for a moment, there was silence. And then, a voice cried out from the congregation. Preach on, pastor! Preach on! We can see Jesus in the dark. And you know what the good news is? That even today, if you're struggling to see Jesus, He can see you. Take heart. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. As we prepare for communion this morning, I want to share with you um, one of my favorite pieces of historic Christian literature. It comes from the Heidelberg Catechism back like 1535. And that's a series of people learning truths, biblical truths. And it, they're what are called Lord's Days. And each day begins with a question. And I want to share with you, and I want to say this out loud, Lord's Day number one from the Heidelberg Catechism as we prepare for communion. Can we have that up? Okay. And Lord's Day number one in the Heidelberg Catechism begins uh, with this question. In fact, I have it taped in the back of my Bible because I read it a lot. What is your only comfort in life and death? That's the question. Now here's the answer. Let's read it together. That I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of His own blood has fully paid for all my sins and completely freed me from the dominion of the devil. That He protects me so well that about the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that everything must fit His purpose for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Him. May it be so. May it be so. On the night that Jesus shared these words and prepared His disciples for His death, He took bread and He broke it. And He said to them, This is My body, which is broken for you. For you. Whenever you eat this, eat this in remembrance of me. Lady Ronnie took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Whenever you drink this, drink this in remembrance of me. 
so that whenever we eat the bread and we drink from the cup, we declare Christ's death until He comes again. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ is coming again. Count on it. That's our hope. That's our certainty. In a moment, I'm going to pray. After I conclude our prayer, feel free to come up and uh, take communion. If you'd hold on the cup, we'll, we'll take that together and celebrate the one who gives us victory, the one who's overcome for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that there can be calm in the midst of the storms of life. Lord, that this morning, whether our sea surface is flat or we're in a squall, we can take heart because you have overcome the world. Father, as we come to this table, let us come in faith as ones who not only partake in in the bread and the wine, but Lord, who belong to you in life and in death. And as we come, remind us, Lord Jesus, that nothing can separate us from the love that is ours in you. Lord, this morning we come. We come. We come because you have overcome. And in that, We have peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grand earth quakes before Moved by the sound of his voice And the seas that I've shaken and stirred Can be calmed and broken for my regard And through it all Through it all, my eyes are on you. And through it all, through it all, it is well. And through it all, 
and it is well with me. Far be it from me to not believe, even when my eyes can't see. And this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And through it all, through it all, it is well. And through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. And it is well. It is well. So let go of my soul and trust in Him. The waves and wind still know His name. So let go of my soul and trust in Him. The waves and wind still know His name. The waves and wind still know His name. The wind and the waves, they still know His name. Take heart. Have courage. He, He has overcome the world. Let's drink together.